0: The truth news Network. If today were a science fiction movie, you'd be shaking your head at the news. Today, Huxley reads like a prophecy. Orwell's saying, I told you so's from the grave. And the ghost of Ayn Rand weeps in the dark. None of it makes any sense. But the people have had it. Now before you reach for revolution, take a deep breath. And put in a few moments identifying fact from science fiction. And for that clarity, you need the truth. You need TNN. The Truth Networks and Dan Newman.
1: Honestly, I think any credible human being will admit we've got much, much happening in our economics here in the United States that we don't know what's going on. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to TNN Live. And right at the top of the show, we are so glad to have one of our good friends, an economic expert in a lot of different ways, and not just the United States, but with a worldview view, Taylor Good morning, sir, and thank you for joining us.
2: Hi, good morning, Dan. Uh, it's a pleasure.
1: It's always a pleasure to have you here, especially with everything we have going on. <laughs> our economy is yeah. in an uproar. Our banking system is in an uproar. Can you help us out with some hard, cold facts about our economy right now?
2: Well, um, I I think um, like I've been on the show for the past um, three times, um, and I've been giving out warnings uh, all the way from the start, including warnings about. Um, I was giving pre-warnings uh, before I was on the show regarding the war that will happen. Um, in other podcasts, uh, I was given. Uh, I was giving warnings regarding um, like banking failures throughout the podcast that we have together um, I was also giving warnings about like attacks um, on on crypto and on money would come and uh, apparently all these happen uh like like clockwork like they they happen uh eventfully uh, one after the other sequentially um so it's it, it, it's difficult to not put on a tinfoil hat and say that, you know, these are organized and to say that, you know, these are random events. Well, Dunstan,
1: Dunstan, here's the thing that people in the United States of America, we have a lot of people that listen to this show from other parts of the world too. They're looking for answers, economic answers. And even though we're told and we're going to play after we finish our segment with you today. We're going to play uh, a segment with Janet Yellen, the U.S. Treasury Secretary, that's going to tell us everything's okay. Don't worry about anything. And we all know in our spirits that's not true. You're a Christian, and I know you believe God is in control of everything, and we all know that fear is a really big negative thing that we embrace. And it's, it's just sneaking up on a lot of Americans right now. And when you're fearful, you don't make good decisions. And so you were right. Three times you came on this show and you made predictions, and every one of them came true. In the order that you warned us they were going to happen. In our world, my brother, in the Christian world, we call that prophetic words. Do you have any advice for us, advice about what to do right now and where we're headed and how we can better prepare for it?
2: Um, Okay, so um, instead of just advice first, I I think uh, everyone here should understand context, uh, context regarding facts regarding truths. And after that, you, you know, I, I can give some suggestions. Okay. Um, some of these suggestions might look a bit extreme, but these are suggestions and it's based on individual choices, what they want to do for themselves, what they want to do for their businesses. But it, it would be tough solutions. Um, there is no good way for most people to weather the storm storm that they are they are in the storms that are currently gonna come, and the storms that are gonna stay for at least two to three generations to come. Wow! There, 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 will be yeah, there will be no good way. But this is not to say that you know we live in a we live in a time where we are fearful because. In, in the darkest times are where the truth always shines, are where people finally wake up, and when people finally make changes and make make decisions for themselves.
1: I, um, I learned something from a very smart man a couple of years ago in a message right at, at the beginning of the COVID-19 fear factor that started, in fact, on the first day. And he made this statement. He said, nothing changes if nothing changes. We want to change something. Well, we've got to change the way we're doing it. And I think that's what we're looking at right now regarding our economy. Correct.
2: We, we have to change what we are used to, what we used to know, because most of us know close to nothing. They don't understand how the economy works. They don't understand the banking system. They don't understand how banks are run. They don't even understand mainly how individual businesses generate cash flow, uh, generate revenue. And, And in many cases right now, even in the Silicon Valley, how many of these tech companies don't even generate revenue. They are all cost centers to acquire users and valuation goes up. And that's it. So there's no revenue generation, or even if there is, right, the cost is way higher than the revenue. So all of them are actually losing money. They are they are not generating value in that sense. And yet valuation goes up, investors invest in them, stock, stock valuation goes up in the public market for them. And these are just uh, part of some of the problems that will compound um, when some of these banks fall, when uh, when uh, venture capitalists are losing money and so on, but okay, I'll go into the main uh, the main thing itself regarding facts, and yet regarding the truth. So there there are many facts right now that are happening, but many of these facts are not. The truth. They might be facts, but they are not the true truth when it comes to the body of Christ. Because the facts is that the world is in a very dark place right now. But the truth is that because of the sacrifice, we have opportunities. And in fact, God always speaks about the end time transfer of wealth from the wicked to the righteous. And that has always been a theme. In the final days, uh, in Revelations. So we well, don't no, no, we are in the are, final days.
1: I was going to ask you: Are we? Are we in those days? Can you? Can you? Uh, do you have a sense or feel?
2: Okay, I believe that we are in the start of the final days. Uh, in in one or two sermons that I actually was given opportunity to preach, uh, especially one in Pastor Rich Wilkerson's church. I was speaking about the four horsemen and how Revelations is interesting because even though God says that we do not know the times, which means that we cannot predict which day and day, Revelations is an interesting book because if it is the truth, all the events that is stated in Revelations, if we want to know which part of the which are revelations or the end times we are in, we need to look at sequence of events. And the sequence of events cannot jump in revelations. It must be sequential. One event happening after the other. So using that, we could guess and figure out and, and predict which part of revelations and which verse we are in right now.
1: Where do these facts lead you to believe we are?
2: Okay, these facts lead me to believe that we are in the times where there is one part in Revelations that talk about the inability of the church to transact. Which is one of the most dangerous parts. Because with that inability to transact would be the fact that most Christians will break because of their love for their family more than their love for God.
1: Wow, that's that's a deep thought. And those circumstances cannot result in good things happening, can it?
2: cannot because most christians and most people on earth you know their love for their family is so deep because it's exactly similar to god's love for us it's a sacrificial love especially the love of a parent to their child just imagine if they cannot buy basic groceries to feed their children if they do not agree on doing certain things, so that means, which are non
1: That means that you feel like that mark of the beast that's talked about in Revelation where every human being will receive that mark or they will not be able to buy or sell. That would apply to the church, to Christians yes. especially, and we're going to be in a, in a jam. Christians are going to be in a jam if we are in that state right now, sooner or later. We're going to have to do things that we don't want to do to protect our families.
2: Yes. And, and this is where we are currently in and we are stepping into. While the Christians are looking at the mark of the beast, thinking that they are not in it yet, I can I can actually you, you know if given longer periods of time I can I can actually talk about what the true mark of the beast is I could show the verses and I could show exactly that the financial ecosystem that we have all been in which include the banks the financial institutes the federal reserve the governments itself and so on Everyone that plays a part of it, including the church depositing their money into these financial institutions, is in effect feeding the mark of the beast, which means that we were always in the mark of the beast since the 1940s.
1: So we have been living in that, in that system, and you're talking about the financial system, being the mark of the beast where we're depositing all of our assets, all of our, actually all of our assets, not just money, but giving up control of all of our other assets to the banking system, today's banking system, which is in effect the mark of the beast.
2: Yes. The entire financial ecosystem is the mark of the beast. Wow. And with, with, a beast with an animal itself. If you keep feeding, it grows bigger, it grows more powerful, and it evolves. So Right my- now, we are more open regarding this because we have started to see it evolving. So it looks more obvious. It looks scarier to us. Is there- it's more obvious.
1: Is there a way for us to move away from that instead of feeding it, like you said, making it stronger, more powerful? Can we do something to protect ourselves and get out of it?
2: We, we can, but it requires a lot of tough personal choice, a lot of sacrifice, and consistent making the choice to be in the world but not of the world. It's not going to be easy. Well, we built it. So We built it over all these years. We built it. We did. For example, a, a first version of that, of a solution of that was actually Bitcoin. And why that is a version of that is because to know whether or not we are in the mark of the beast, the fruits of it will be known the fruits of being the mark of the beast is the inability to transact. Are we there yet? Yeah. clearly written in Revelations. We are there and we have always been there. Try sending funds as a foundation, as a church from the United States to some other missions in other countries. I'm not talking about money laundering. I'm talking about sending funds to missionaries, helping people around the world doing charity, is that always possible? Or is that sometimes possible? Or is that many a times gatekeep from the foundations?
1: My guess is it's sometimes possible at best.
2: Yep. So I give it like maybe 60% of the time we are successful. What about the other 40%? And yet, you know, based on compliance, compliance, or like like the, the banks say that you know oh we have compliance issue uh it, it didn't go through our compliance um our compliance department and so on but yet now take a look with all these compliance why are banks failing and why are deposits not given back to the people and why are the banking deposits not insured enough to protect the people
1: Dunstan, yesterday, we found evidence that showed the total amount of money deposited in the United States in every type of bank account is $22 trillion. The FDIC, who is supposed to be insuring all of our deposit accounts, of course, only up to $250,000 per account, but the total amount of money the FDIC has to pay out those insurances for failed banking is less than $2 billion. Less than 1.5% of that $22 trillion is actually insured.
2: Correct. So my question that the people who are hearing this is, where did the 99% of the money go What was it used for and what happened to it? Follow the money to know whether or not these are good or wrong practices. Follow the money to know what happened during the layman times. Follow the money to know where new countries or like countries they are developing are start growing and producing. And obviously follow the money to know that during the war in Ukraine, $60 billion disappeared (laughs) to Ukraine. Follow the money.
1: You talked to us about this last time you were here. We're talking about digital funds that were supposedly to be sent to Ukraine from the United States And as Dunstan just said, we don't hear about this. Of course, they don't want us to know about it. But $60 billion disappeared. And the problem is there are ways to circumvent what we as the people can see when people that have an inside track on ways to move money use those and do them and hide that from us. Those that weren't with us last time, Dunstan, tell us about that $60 billion that disappeared, supposed to be going to Ukraine.
2: Yep. So if did go to Ukraine, as to what happened to those money would be questionable. Ukraine doesn't really talk about the money. The money was done through FTX, which now you know is in a in an interesting situation.
1: You're being kind. The, You're being kind to call yep. it an interesting situation.
2: Because the regulators didn't want to persecute them at the start. Which is weird, because if it's a crypto company, like right now we have banks that are pro crypto. They even if the bank is solvent, they close the bank down. They close the bank down recently, while the bank is still solvent. While the bank had less financial risk than uh, Credit Suisse, and yet they close it down. Why? For all sorts of reasons. They're gonna create reasons because it's crypto friendly, but yet they didn't want to persecute FTX at the start. Look at the change in stance from the start all the way till now. There is a shift in stance because they have no choice. The thing is too public. So they persecuted. They are starting to persecute FTX now. But of course, you know, I talk about the the ties and so on that the, the founders of FTX had uh, with certain families itself. But we shouldn't go on with that since, you know, it's the last podcast. They can listen on their own. So... What is going on right now is this. We have banks around the world due to shady business runnings. Um, we have regulators that say that the banking system are fine.
1: But we know they they're They are not.
2: saying that we, right now.
1: We know they're we,
2: not. We know they are not. Yeah. Because two days ago, Credit Suisse needs a bailout one of the largest European banks in the world needs a bailout. And it's not because they ran their businesses shadily. They need a bailout because interest rates and interest rates are not controlled by any banks. The interest rates are controlled by the Federal Reserve. So whenever the Federal Reserve makes changes, to interest rates, they know exactly what would happen if they change their interest rates up or down in any economic situation. Well, I would have to believe that they have enough experts, enough economists, enough policymakers to know exactly what they are doing. If not, they should not be working there.
1: Well, our Secretary of the Treasury, Janet Yellen, Mm -hmm. is speaking right now, and she's telling us that everything's okay. The experts say we're going to be okay. They're fixing the little problems in the banks that are having difficulties because of mismanagement, but there's no reason for real concern. Why would they say that?
2: If it's, We are if talking about $20 trillion. Yeah,
1: $22 trillion.
2: We are talking about one major bank that has a $600 billion loss of unrealized loss on securities valuation. Where would that go? $600 billion.
1: Where did it go,
2: the $600 they billion? Can, they say that it's mismanagement of the bank. I agree that you know the the banking management has mismanaged, which is normal. it's a private business, I understand but the federal reserves play a huge part a large part of the mismanagement come because of changes of interest rates that the federal reserves did, and therefore the the bonds that the banks are holding, which they invested in of the Treasury, which is controlled by the Federal Reserve, are made worthless because of such changes in interest rates. So why would they do that? I would not assume. I shall not assume because that's going to be a problem to them. Um, But I would say that I don't think these are benign actions. And now, I believe that these are coordinated actions. They, they don't look individual. They look more syndicated to me. So in other words. Because the, the timing is accurate.
1: There is coordinated efforts to make these changes, which would come, maybe come from our Federal Reserve and the Federal Reserves for Foreign Banks. But it's coordinated by someone else or are they coordinating it with each other?
2: Either is by someone else coordinating together. To me, that's not the important thing to me. The facts is that there is coordination and that's a problem because in, in any industry, when there are such coordination, we often frown upon, right? Because you know, that's when monopolies are formed, oligopolies are formed right? in any industry which is bad for capitalism. Sure. But this is happening in the, in the banking sphere. And just imagine any slight changes that the Federal Reserve right now, knowing with its experts that these changes could cause other systemic effects throughout the entire banking system. Yet, they made these changes.
1: Wow. Wow. Well, for those of you that joined a little bit late, speaking today with us is Dunstan Teo, foremost expert on economic matters, cryptocurrency. He's from Singapore originally. he moved his family to Dubai and several months ago moved his family to central Florida and I believe that's where we're speaking to you today, isn't it Dunstan
2: Yep. he's speaking from Central Florida right now.
1: He is uh, every day taking his kids to Disney World.
2: (laughs) Uh, (laughs) They wish.
1: (laughs) Yeah, they wish. Dunstan, we're going to take a two-minute break, and when we come back, I want you to talk to our people from a Christian perspective and tell us how and what we can do to weather the storm, and even if it's going to be difficult, But weather the storm, and what kind of spiritual resources do we need to pray for? Is that okay? Definitely. Dunstan Teo, with us. This is deep, folks. Don't you dare go anywhere.
3: Copy. It's got phenomenal power, acceleration, good ground clearance, skid protection, and you've got the Multimatic ESSV shocks. So it's just going to be that much more of a fun truck.
4: It's
3: an amazing truck, you're going to want to get your hands
5: on one. Here's the latest traffic report. Looks like miles of trouble-free driving with Napa Auto Parts. Your local Napa Auto Parts dealer in Modesto has a full line of quality parts for your car or truck. Napa Auto Parts keeps America running, and Modesto Auto & Truck is ready to keep your vehicle running in tip-top shape for years to come. So if you think your car or truck needs help under the hood, think of Napa Auto Parts at Modesto Auto & Truck Parts, 924 G Street in downtown Modesto, 529-8342, 529-8342.
0: When Bolshevik Barbie throws shade, you have the weapon of
1: light, the truth. Thursday morning at Truth News Network TNN Live, Dan Newman here along with Dunstan Teo from over in Central Florida, and he is talking to us about exactly what's going on in our financial system in the U.S., what causes it, and I got to be honest with you, we could spend days and days and days puzzling through this and could get some more hard facts, but Dunstan doesn't have the time and. I'm sure you listening in don't have the time. I do know this, before I ask him to move forward, I do know there's no quick fix. There's nothing we can just jump up and do today that's gonna take care of everything. So with that in mind, Dunstan, what can we do and how can we do it?
2: Okay, so here's what is interesting regarding uh, being a believer itself, being a Christian. Um, collectively, we own within our networks itself, our businesses, our assets, and so on, we own around 30% of all banking deposits on earth. Now, this number is important because in the last podcast or the podcast before that I have with you then, I spoke about how in order to control the liquidity of any currency, you need around 30% That's so that you could control the financial might, you can control the liquidity, you can control the the value of the currency itself.
1: That's right, you told us that.
2: So if we extrapolate that and now we know that the Christians, the body of Christ in total owns 30% of all the banking deposits on earth, what does that tell you?
1: It tells us that we do have some say-so in what happens.
2: Yes. As a body of Christ, if we are united, we could generate enough value to control the entire ecosystem. Wow. And God already put that in place. It's just that we as people of the flesh, which most of us are. Um, we do not make decisions of the spirit. We generally make decisions of the world, which is not what God wants us. He wants us to be in the world, but not of the world. So some of these decisions that I'm going to say is going to be decisions that are in the world, but not of the world. And it will be tough decisions. We would have to every day consistently make a decision to make a stance okay, and to make a change. And and it's going to be sacrifice after sacrifice. Lead us down that pathway, my friend. Yeah. So in order for us to ensure that we no longer feed the beast, which is the current financial ecosystem, the mark of the beast is the current financial ecosystem. If they want to know um, about this, they have to go on to Pastor Rich Wilkerson's church and look at the sermon that I did uh, at his church. Well, it's a short sermon, um, but uh, a short segment of a sermon that I was allowed to speak regarding that. And they will have an idea of which part of revelations I'm talking about. Okay, folks
1: Folks are listening. You heard him speak of Rich Wilkerson's church. Rich is a brother of ours. His church is in Miami, Florida. And what I'll do after the show is over today, I will get the link to that sermon that Dunstan's talking about and post it on today's show, TNN Live, which we put up live on our our, uh, website, truthnewsnet.org every day, down at the bottom, there'll be, a, there'll be a link to the sermon that Dunstan just
2: referenced. Go ahead. Yep. So the, the choice that we have to make is to consistently take our value out of the current financial banking system. And how we are going to do that is this. We can keep a certain amount of our funds, whether or not individually or as businesses enough to run one or two months in the bank itself and keep it in the bank has bank deposits. The rest of them, sadly, has to be taken out and either kept individually, kept in treasuries, custodians, and so on. Extra steps of inconvenience needs to be taken. and But is these starting steps that will help us gain back. We lose convenience, but we start gaining back some level of sovereignty, which is the ability to make choices in our lives.
1: Where do we put that money, that 80% that, or 70% that uh, we keep out of the, let's call it the fiat money system, which is what we're dealing with. We're gonna take, we're gonna keep a couple of months worth of operating capital, We'll keep that in normal bank accounts. But the other, where do we place it that's safe? Inconvenient, like you said, but it's safe and we will not be feeding the beast anymore.
2: Yep. So, and the next part will be this. We no longer can use the word safe. (laughs) We no longer can use the words convenient because like I say, it's going to be a sacrifice and we no, no longer can, in a sense, in the short term, protect our value. The value will be generated based on this verse. The, there will be a transfer of wealth from the wicked to the righteous. But the transfer doesn't come to everyone. And it doesn't occur automatically. It comes to those who have taken the steps to gain back their sovereignty in the end days.
1: What are those steps?
2: So these steps will be this. Um, like like I would always tell people, um, at least 90% of my personal network, well, in my case it's 99%, but it would be in Bitcoin and in other cryptocurrencies. And why that is the case is because Regardless of the fluctuations of these cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin is one where we all know that till now, no matter how governments, banks have been trying to shut it down, it has been the one that has been consistently up 24-7, 365 days a a year, and it hasn't gone down And when banking systems in Ukraine and Russia broke down when credit cards didn't work, where the entire economies of Venezuela broke, when Greece fell, when any of these major geopolitical situations happened and economic breakdowns happened in certain countries, yet Bitcoin and certain cryptocurrencies were there and the people and businesses could carry on regardless of the price fluctuation. The important thing is to stop looking at the price protection of your wealth but to look at the sovereignty that you're gaining back when you're shifting into such systems because that is a short-term thing. But long-term, when enough people do that, when enough believers do that, that 30%, the the value of the 30% of the banking deposits on earth gets transferred to these assets. And no longer do we need to think about the value because now the believers control the value because sovereignty is back in their hands. The first thing is to take back their sovereignty, not to look at value protection.
1: There may be sacrifice in that transition. We may lose some. There,
2: there will be a lot of sacrifice. Yeah, there'll
1: be there'll be a lot of value as we measure value today that we're gonna lose. But if we yes. if we take total control of our economic operations and fellow Christians around the world, we're all linked together in that regard, power comes with that.
2: Yes. And that's what God wanted, which was why when Bitcoin first came about, it was a first iteration of God showing us that we are in the world, but we are not of the world because when the world was failing, when the world banking system was failing everybody, Bitcoin remained and gave sovereignty back to the people, back to the church. Regardless of who is using it Wow, it, it gave sovereignty regardless whether or not it's a government, whether or not it's a dictator, whether or not it's a normal human being, whether or not it's a retail person, whether or not it's an investment bank, whether or not it's a country. It gave back the sovereignty, regardless, and that's Bitcoin. So without a shadow of a doubt, Bitcoin will become the world reserve currency.
1: So now, Dunstan, let's do a recap where we are. We have lost our sovereignty. We've given it away to the beast. The, the beast is the, economic, the current fiat economic system of money around the world. And, yes. un, and until we take that power back from the beast... Which is to take our money, our deposits, out of that stream where they can do pretty much anything with it that they want to and just tell us to shut up if we ask any questions. It will be ours to make all the decisions about. And if we, with fellow like minded people, Christians from around the world, enough of us do that and realize we will see,
2: we will see change. yeah, we, and we will see the verse come alive, where the wealth of the wicked will transfer to the righteous.
1: We have a lot of people listening in today that don't know a lot about cryptocurrency, and there are many, many moving parts in it. Um there can, are- can you can you give me or give TNN Live some points, some place where we can point people to to go get the knowledge the ins and outs the the examples just gain the understanding of the cryptocurrency world and how to get involved in it without just getting overwhelmed by the information that sometimes can really overwhelm us where can we go to get that info
2: okay i i would say that you know yes it looks like information it's over the place. It's extremely difficult to find, but it's actually is actually quite coherent right now. By now, we are in year. Um, we are now in year since two thousand and nine. Um, well, we are now in year fourteen um, of, of like cryptocurrencies. So the resources are are all around. Um, it's not tough. Um, w- w- Now, I I would like to draw the attention um, of everyone first to something called Philcoin. And why I would like to do that is not because I'm a co-founder. It was because um, we have Christians around the world that that have gained prophetic dreams, visions. We have had prophets from different denominations. And we have had groups of different denominations that hated one another. The leaders of these denominations—they will not be seen sitting together. But yet, these people have all, like, like these, uh, major men of God in different, different parts of our faith have come together, and they have, and they have worked together on this thing called Philcoin, which we believe to be the monetary policy for the body of Christ. Philcoin. Yes.
1: P-H-I-L-C-O-I-N. People that are listening in, write that down. P-H-I-L-C-O-I-N. And of course, there's, Bit- there's Bitcoin out there as well, but Philcoin yes.
2: is... Ex- meant for the body of Christ. It's to be treated and created has the monetary policy for the body of Christ. Now, this is going to be important. And I'm going to say that because we are in the early days, and if you are doing something so massive, there will be attacks from all sorts of different areas, including attack to prices, attack to tech, attack to community itself, attack to the health of the people that are involved, attack to reputation, and so on. Anything that you are doing of value in the kingdom, the devil will come and attacks will come.
1: And so, so they already are. Yes, we have seen
2: attacks. Yeah. But yet, interestingly, um while looking at these attacks, you will see that we are also protected and defended. In fact, for lack of a better word, other than Bitcoin, we might be the second most politically exposed coin on earth. Because why it's supported by um by major um by major leaders of our faith, it's supported by politicians it's supported by senators attorney generals it's supported by governments around the world Um, uh, some of these many of these government deals that are coming in I would not be privy to say in public but we we have sovereign deals that are coming in that's going to work with Philcoin which is amazing for a one year old company it doesn't make sense But things of God don't make sense. Yeah. The truth doesn't make sense many a times. That's why I, I keep talking about facts and truth. Facts well, are what you see. Yeah. The truth is eternal. Truth doesn't change. Regardless of what you see. Truth, yep. does truth it, doesn't change.
1: Yes. Truth cannot be manipulated. Information yes. cannot change the truth. It exists in a vacuum. We, we, we say that all the time. Truth News Network. That's what we're looking for. And when we find it, we grab a hold of it and don't let it go. And we know that nobody can change it. So Dunstan. Yes. Thank you so much for coming. I want to I want to arrange with you for you to come back every couple of weeks and lead us through this process moving forward because we have a lot of people that are asking questions. And the way you've done it- We have a lot
2: of moving parts. Yeah.
1: The way you've done it today, breaking the news and getting a foundation laid of making this transition and why we need to and how to do it and what the end goal and objective is, it's really been enlightening. So can you come back in a couple of weeks and we've taken 45 minutes of your morning Maybe a, in a couple of weeks, you and I can arrange another day where you can come back for another 45 minutes and move us forward in our understanding.
2: Yeah, it would be an honor.
1: Dunstan Teo, And if you want to learn about him, let me tell you this. In crypto world, this is the guy. And I'm not bragging on him because he is very wealthy I'm not bragging on him because he's done a lot of things. I'm bragging on him because he's a man of God. I know him, he's a friend, and he has facts for us and truths for us that I got to be honest with you, we're not hearing them from any other place. Dunstan, thank you so much for giving us your knowledge, and I'm excited and looking forward to getting together again in a couple of weeks. A reminder, folks, I will get the sermon preached at Rich Wilkerson's church in Miami that he referenced that he can give us some more information. I'll get that sermon and we'll put it up on today's TNN live broadcast that will be put up in its entirety at the end of this show today. Dunstan, God bless you. Thank you for your time with us. And we'll talk, I'll talk to you before, but we'll we'll put another get together and uh, make it happen in a couple of weeks.
2: Thank you so much, Dan. It's an honor, and God bless everyone.
1: Wow. You just can't take knowledge for granted. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Dunstan. Um, he he owns more Bitcoin than anybody else on the planet. <clears throat> I'm going to give you a little inside scoop on what that means. In fact, I'm not going to do it. I don't have permission to do it. It was It was told me in private. But I will tell you, he's, he's credible. He's credible beyond any recognition that I could give to him in finances. When you say multimillionaire, there are a lot of multimillionaires, billionaires, multibillionaires. When you get into th- those kind of stratospheres, um, the numbers dwindle. But this guy, he loves God. He is a Christian, and his life evidences it. He doesn't need anything from anybody. He doesn't present any kind of deals. He's concerned about Christians. And Philcoin, the cryptocurrency he was talking about, is one of the founders of it, co-founder of it. I'm involved in it. I have been for, I guess, about a year now. And it was put together specifically to put opportunities in the hands of these pastors in these little villages in countries around the world that have no way to transact currency. They don't have any, no money. And he'll go in with his people and put cell phones in the hands of these pastors and mission minded churches around the world will connect with these pastors and he Dunstan and his people, they set up for cryptocurrency to be, instead of dollar bills, to be how you transact to buy groceries, you pay people to live somewhere, you hire somebody and pay them. And these little villages, it's been happening for years as a test, but it is in reality in existence right now. So we're going to get another Lesson, I guess part three now, from Dunstan. And honestly, he did prophetically tell us the three things that have happened in the world economically over his last three trips to visit with us. He's 100% accurate. To me, that's not a fact. (laughs) That's just plain old truth. Wouldn't you think? I mean, if you say something is something, You call it something. You say it'll do this. And it looks like this. And all of a sudden, the facts start showing that, hey, it really is that. It really does look like that. And it really is that. It just makes you want to come back for a little more information. And by the way, he's not selling anything. Period. Back after this. The truth. Straight. No chaser.
0: TNN. The Truth News Network. I love
6: going
5: all natural. It just makes me feel better.
4: Nothing between
5: me and my 100% all natural, juicy, Grass fed beef.
0: Introducing the all natural burger. The first ever in fast food. With no antibiotics, no added hormones, and no steroids. Only at Carl's Jr. What are you doing? Should we pick him up? He has Bud Light.
6: He has an axe.
0: But he has Bud Light.
1: And an axe.
0: I'm sure there's a reason for it. Hey, buddy what's with the axe it's a bottle opener hop in refreshingly smooth Bud Light always worth it look here's Bud Light
5: in a chainsaw
0: get not only the news but the truth in the news from TNN the Truth News Network
1: Dan Newman (laughs) it's kind of funny for Pete Moss to take us back into the news and talk about not only the truth, but the truth in the news. Truth. It's exactly what Dunstan was talking to us about. And here comes U.S. Secretary of Treasury, Janet Yellen. And here's what she says this morning to you and me. The U.S. banking system remains sound, sound, sound and Americans can feel confident about their deposits with no need to panic over recent events. This testimony will come a week after the second-largest bank collapse in our history. Associated Press reports Yellen will be the first Biden administration official to get in front of lawmakers over the decision to protect uninsured money at two failed regional banks. Remember, that's a move that on Sunday, Joe Biden, our president, said he'd never do that. We would never cover that. The government's not going to put any money in these banks that fail because of poor management. And what we call those things are bailouts. The government took decisive and forceful actions to strengthen public confidence in the U.S. banking system. That's what Yellen says in her prepared testimony. I can reassure the members of the committee that she's going to testify in front of that our banking system remains sound and that Americans can feel confident that their deposits will be there when they need them. How could she say that? How can she guarantee that? She can't. And so what she is trying to do is keep there from being a run on the bank's by people that go to get their money out before their bank fails. She made no reference in her prepared remarks that she's going to give to the committee. She didn't even mention the situation surrounding Credit Suisse, which saw its shares plunge yesterday before regulators, what they did was pledge a liquidity lifeline to the flagship Swiss lender. In other words, another bank bailed out Credit Suisse yesterday. So the Secretary's words of reassurance come against a a very tumultuous week for the international banking system. In the past seven days, think about it, Silicon Valley Bank, that's based in Santa Clara, California, failed after depositors rushed to withdraw money in the middle of the anxiety over the bank's ongoing health Regulators then convened over the weekend, and they announced New York-based Signature Bank also failed. All depositors, and this is the part that just frosts me, every depositor in those two banks. And those depositors include those holding uninsured funds over the $250,000 that are insured by the FDIC. Without any congressional action, Joe Biden just decided all those billions of dollars the United States government is going to pay for them. And you know what? Monday morning, they put those funds back in those accounts. It didn't cost them anything think about that for a minute. Talk about you and I being in a bit of a a pinch on stuff like that. So guess who's making a lot of money on this. Other banks, let me give you an example. Bank of America. they raked in 15 billion dollars Monday and Tuesday. as panic customers ditched the smaller lenders, For those too big to fail banks in wake of that SVB crisis in Santa Clara, with Goliaths like JP Morgan also winning. You take the money out of the bank because you think it's failing, you got to go put it somewhere else. That makes sense, doesn't it? Bank of America raked in 15 million in new deposits as customers flee those little lenders going to these too-big-to-fail banks. So-called Goliath banks like J.P. Morgan, Wells Fargo, are being inundated with applications, some taking steps to speed up the onboarding process. And it comes as SVB's spectacular fall from grace continues to wreak havoc on our stock market, which has been exacerbated by ongoing turmoil at Credit Suisse. On Monday, Wells Fargo banking analyst Mike Mayo wrote in a research note, quote, Goliath is winning. He then singled out J.P. Morgan as the biggest beneficiary in these less certain times. Meanwhile, another senior banking executive said this. The calls have been coming in today like airplanes stacked on a snowy day at O'Hare Airport. Insiders said that $15 billion already went to Bank of America alone. The bank told Daily Mail it would not comment on the number at that deposit numbers were only disclosed during their earnings reports. J.P. Morgan shortened the wait time for opening an account there. They're speeding up the time it takes for new corporate customers to access funds so they can pay staff at the end of this week. Citizens Financial Group also said it had seen higher than normal interest from prospective new customers over the past few days. It added it was temporarily extending branch hours. You're going to drive up to an ATM and drop about, oh, I don't know, 50, 60, 70 million (laughs) in an account at a new bank, right? All this is coming after panic. And I got to be honest with you folks, we're only talking about three banks. Only three banks. Just imagine if there was a real run by Americans and companies in America on the banks withdrawing all their money. Now, what would that do? Remember I told you. How much money is deposited in all bank accounts in the United States? $22 trillion. And the FDIC only guarantees only has money to pay the guarantees on a little less than two billion dollars. Twenty-two trillion out there. I don't know about that folks. It sounds like something something uh, sinister is going on, just like Dunstan Tao told us. And of course, once again, American families, we're worried about our deposits. <coughs> <clears throat> Excuse me. Don't you hate it <clears throat> when you get something hung in your throat for a second? Hold on, I'm going to take a swallow. SVB Bank was the 16th largest in the nation. And it failed because of what it was doing. Highly speculative trades They were getting all these deposits from these Silicon Valley tech companies. And they weren't keeping the money on deposit. They were investing it. That's what you do in a bank. You don't just sit there on cash. You have to keep a certain percentage of it according to the FDIC banking rules. But the rest of it, hey, 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 let's go make us some money on the money they deposited here. So they've been going out buying bonds. You know, what, what kind of bonds? Treasury bonds, U.S. Treasury bonds. That's the safe place to keep your money, right? They don't pay big interest, but it's safe. And it'll be there for a long, long time. You can rely on those deposits, Yeah, they found out. But what they did, they didn't realize as the interest rates go up, the value of the bonds go down. Mm, and you got to pay the interest rates this means that when rates did go up SVB's entire business model it just imploded and in response the government is now bailing out their very rich SVB's rich silicon valley depositors the FDIC long guaranteed every deposit up to a quarter of a million but because SVB catered to the Silicon Valley elite, 96% of its depositors were above the 250000 threshold. These dis- depositors knew the risk. Indeed, they could have purchased private insurance to cover the rest of their deposits, and most of them chose not to do that. Well, when you got Uncle Joe in the White House, he's a Democrat, and almost everybody out there in these big tech Silicon Valley Companies, they're all in the tank, Democrats. I think we need to change the name of the Democrat Party. What could we change it to? How about this? How about Marxist grifters? The Marxist grifter party. You know what a grift is? A grift is somebody talking you out of something, talking you into doing something. That's what a grifter is. Sound a little bit familiar, and Marxism is where, you know, government comes in and owns everything or runs everything. So the Marxist grifter party. But now the Treasury Department, the Federal Reserve, and the FDIC, they've stepped in to bail out even these rich depositors who knew the risk when they invested there, put their money there. And they started griping. They started reaching out. Who are these people? We could name you a bunch of them. You can go online and find them a bunch of Democrats, Marxist grifters from the Obama administration, even from the Clinton administration. All of them. They're involved in SVB. And here comes Uncle Joe. So what he did, what he did is they bolstered, the FDIC insurance policy, by $25 billion more billion in freshly printed borrowed money. That's Uncle Sam. That's Uncle Joe. He had to borrow the money. Who did he borrow the money from? From you. From me. This amounts to raiding every bank account in America, rich and poor alike, to bail out The Silicon Valley elite. And if the FDIC levies and the Fed handouts can't cover all those losses, well, last time in 2009, if you don't remember, the FDIC simply got Treasury to give it $500 billion in borrowing authority, and it was a direct cost to you and me, taxpayers. Worse, the Federal Reserve... They're now expanding bailouts to even solvent banks by lending against their failed investments at the original purchase price, even if the value of those investments have plummeted. This is really pretending that those losses never happened. Imagine you buy a car, you drive it for 100,000 miles, then you claim it's worth what you paid for it. For you, that would be illegal. For bankers, not so much. It's a friendly favor. Not only does this reward the recklessness of these banks and bankers and investors, it compounds the losses to the American people unless banks can somehow look under the pillow, find that money that the tooth fairy left for you. Seriously, They'd have to find some way to reverse the very interest rate gambles that is sending them off the edge one by one. That ain't going to happen. Finally, markets are now saying the Fed's fight against inflation is crippled. Interest rate expectations have plunged in the past week, signaling that Wall Street expects a quick return to the same easy money that launched near double-digit inflation. And so where could we go? Well, in a repeat of 2008, reckless banks egged on by reckless policy have created catastrophic losses for the rich and the powerful that once again will be torn out of regular Americans' pockets. This heads I win tells you lose bailout cycle is a recipe for more risk, more failures, and more crises without even an an executive order. Joe didn't sign an executive order. He made a phone call. Congress didn't act. The FDIC, the Bedrock Insurance of Americans' Life Savings, is being raided to bail out the rich and the reckless, even as we are talking. Banks now have a green light to take any risk, whatever they want, safe in the knowledge American families are going to cover the tab. And we shouldn't, you and I, shouldn't be forced to bail out millionaires, to bail out venture capitalists and the reckless banks that cater to those grifters. Those banks should be allowed to fail according to the longstanding rules of the game, covering depositors up to 250000 leaving the rich to get what's left, after the FDIC resolution and letting failed banks be bought by more prudent competitors. Bailouts, folks. What happens? You got one bailout, you got to do another one. Which bank are you going to refuse to bail out now? And Dunstan Teo, he, he told us this was going to happen. And what did he tell us today? Nothing changes if nothing changes. You got your money in your little bank in your regional area. I'm not denigrating those. What I'm saying is we've got to change the way that we handle our money if we want this craziness to stop. Remember the numbers. $22 on deposit and less than a couple of billion dollars that FDIC insurance that they tout to us all the time even in their advertising 2 billion to cover 22 trillion oh my gosh what what, what is this world coming to what the heck are we going to do what can we do we've got to do something <laughs> we we really do we have to do something what I don't know. Can we move on to something else? Our first hour is gone. We've got about, what, 50 minutes left in the show today. Let's talk about something that's fun and easy to deal with. How about our southern border issues? Did you hear or see what happened in Congress yesterday? Oh, my gosh. Border Patrol director appeared before a congressional committee and he got asked the tough questions. I want you to listen to this back and forth between these members of Congress and the Border Patrol Director.
7: Chief uh, does, Ortiz, does DHS have operational control of our entire border? No, sir. Okay. Thank you for that. Um, I'd like to share it with the American people. This is the actual definition of operational control that is in the code, written into the code well before I came to Congress, the definition. And I appreciate the honesty of Chief Ortiz. Do you think that uh, – let, let's play a video clip here. Uh, I just want to share this question. Will you testify under oath right now? Do we have operational control, yes or no? Yes, we do. And we have operational are- control of the borders? Yes, we do. And- G40 Ortiz, do you think that uh, Secretary Mayorkas is lying there,
3: sir? When you talk about operational control, about 10 years ago, we used operational control as a measuring stick of our effectiveness along the Southwest border. Uh, my new strategy is geared towards um, uh, mission advantage.
7: So you you know I, I I'm asking a very specific question, yes, and I, I you're you're kind of describing how. How, how the goalpost has been moved because of the mass waves of people that are coming. My question, you heard the secretary. He said we have operational control. That's the definition B- of operational control. Based upon the control. definition you have, sir, up there, no. We don't have operational control. No, sir. But is Secretary Mayorkas lying? I,
3: I, don't, I didn't see are the he, rest of the testimony there, sir. So he was at, you, you saw. He was one, asked one point if we had question.
7: operational control, and he said yes. I, I think it's either, it's either ignorance, which is unacceptable, or it's lying. Uh, 4.7 million alien encounters, 1.3 million gotaways, a record number of individuals on the terrorist watch list, a record number of criminal alien encounters, a record number of aliens with gang affiliation encounters, a record number of drug seizures. Do these numbers project confidence to the American people that DHS has operational control?
3: I will tell you I have confidence and the men and women that are executing the mission out there to the best of their ability. No, I appreciate uh, we've seen that. across the southwest border nine sectors, and out of those nine sectors, four of them uh, have significant resources. When you think about the double layer fencing, some of the surveillance technology, and then the amount of agents we deployed. Uh, But in five of those nine southwest border sectors, we have seen an increase in flow. And that has caused a considerable strain on our resources and really has forced the Border Patrol to move agents and even migrants to some of the other areas.
7: Yeah, I I pointed that out in my statement, too, that the cartels have figured out if they flood certain areas, you got to shift resources and that's allowing them to have free reign that to me is the cartels controlling the southern border does that i mean it, it, think about it think about it for a second like like you're a military guy and that's the perimeter right do, do the drug cartels have control of sections of the perimeter of the united states
3: I will tell you that in certain areas, the cartels control an awful lot on the southern border, south of the United States. Our men and women are out there. I just spent the last three days here in South Texas patrolling with some of our agents, and they're doing a phenomenal job of responding to traffic that's coming across that border. You, you, you and, and that I plays both, out across the entire southwest border.
7: You and I both deeply respect the men who work for you. and. Uh, I think they're doing yeoman's work. I've talked to to you know sectors where they're they're pulling ninety hours a week. These guys are killing themselves. Literally seventeen of them have committed suicide because they've been overwhelmed. Why is this huge surge here? What's what's the cause? What's the difference? You were here under the last administration during COVID. All the excuses that have been given.
3: So what changed? Several things have changed. I, I think across the. The world, if you think about it this way, you know, this is we've seen individuals from 159 countries already this fiscal so year. So why do they feel suddenly after January of 2021 that they can come here? i would think that there's uh, we have what we call push and pull factors some of those push factors are certainly going to be economic conditions in their host countries those ha-
7: those were there before yes, chief sir. i mean they were no. there before hurricanes happened in central
3: america before what changed i think it as you look at the us and what we're experiencing now with the economic conditions that we have here, when you think about the health conditions that we have here, we're in much better position than most of the countries that we're dealing with just Again, I, it
7: just, I would assert to you that all that was there before January 21. The COVID was there before 20, 2021. Uh, the economic challenges were there before 2021. I would submit to you that it's two things, and your sector chiefs have told me what they are. One, they're the policies. There, and, and those policies came from the promises the president made during his campaign. And two, the State Department has allowed the return agreements to expire. Not renegotiating those agreements has prevented ICE from being able to send people back. Is that not correct?
3: I will tell you our inability to repatriate individuals to
1: certain countries is a tremendous a challenge for failure us. And I would agree with that
7: on the administration. Thank
1: you. Let me ask you this. Do you, like me, do you get tired of the wrangling trying to narrow somebody down that's testifying before these committees and get them to just state the facts, yes or no, answer yes or no. How many times do you hear these when they're asked a question? These people that are testifying, they're asked one question, and they start every answer by, thank you, Mr. Senator, for this question. Have you noticed that? Do you know why they do that? They're all coached how to respond to the questions they're getting before these committees. Seriously, that's the way it works. I've got a couple of things that I want to get to in this last 45 minutes of the show today. We want to talk about the origins of COVID. Oh my gosh, we're going back to COVID stuff? Yeah. Why are we going back to it? Not so much because we don't know what it is. You and I, we've talked about it on this show for way over a year and a half or two years. And it's still being debated and there's no consensus. We're going to take another break when we come back. I want you to hear what a virologist got stuck in the corner about in a hearing and what the representative The point that this representative made that cleared up for all of us the reality of where COVID came from. You don't want to miss this.
3: When your cable company keeps you on hold, you get angry. When you get angry, you go blow off steam. When you go blow off steam, accidents happen. When accidents happen, you get an eye patch. When you get an eye patch, people think you're tough. When people think you're tough, people want to see how tough. And when people want to see how tough, you wake up in a roadside ditch. Don't wake up in a
6: roadside ditch. Get rid of cable and upgrade to DirecTV. Call one 800 Direct tv Ah, luxury. The aroma is full-bodied, the flavor is decadent, the touch divine, and the drive Yes, the drive of luxury is simply Infinity. Introducing the Infinity Luxury Test Tour. If you think you are familiar with luxury, you haven't driven an Infinity. Infinity of Elk Grove invites you to truly become familiar with luxury and take a luxury test tour. It's like a test drive, but with more luxury. We invite you to drive luxury to luxury, not for an hour or even a day, but for an entire weekend. Your choice, select your Infinity and motor off to a luxury weekend in Lake Tahoe or Napa Valley. And yes, all the luxury is on us. Introduce yourself to LuxuryTestTour.com and truly become familiar with luxury. Infinity of Elk Grove is literally giving you the keys to a luxury experience like none other. LuxuryTestTour.com Drive luxury, drive infinity. Infinity of Elk Grove. Expect more. Yo, some people think it don't make sense that I'm a horse whisperer. Fancy prance, yo! But you know what else don't make sense? Buy. I mean, it's good for you, but still somehow tastes amazing. Sideways, fancy prance, you heard? Yeah. Clippity-clop, clippity-clop. Yo, I just whispered all of y'all. Too easy.
8: Bye. Five calories, antioxidants, and tastes amazing? None of this makes sense.
0: In the clown car of the deep state, you will never find a greater den of scum and villainy. You need a hero. Here again, blaster in hand, is
1: Dan Newman. You know, it seems to me like we have just rationalized to accept that Congress is going to take forever to get anything done. They're not going to get together in a room, the members of Congress, and have people in front of them asking questions, getting answers, and getting truthful answers from which you make choices, you make decisions, you write legislation, you get a legislative bill put together, and then you debate it, and you make changes if necessary, and then you shoot it out to the floor of the House or the Senate. You do debating there, you accept Maybe discussion about some amendments. Maybe you amend amend them there. But you get something finished. And then they're talking to these people in these very, very important positions in every area of our lives. And they can't get these people to even give real, solid answers. Everybody's trying to pontificate. You know what I'm talking about. You can't just get answers and rely on those answers. So here's a good one. What's the source of COVID-19? Where did COVID-19 come from? How did it happen to get around the world and kill millions of people? What's the cause? Who's responsible if anybody is? And what does Fauci tell us? He still will not say it's likely that COVID-19 originated in the Wuhan Institute of Virology in Wuhan, China. He won't say that. Everybody else is admitting it, finally. But still, Fauci, oh, it came from nature. Some animals. Listen to this conversation.
8: So Congress is making it clear that when it wants the president to declassify intelligence on COVID's origins, the House, with the Democratic support, voting unanimously to pass a Republican bill, which could do just that. So the vote comes after a hearing this week where witnesses backed the leak theory as the likely cause of the pandemic. The Senate passed that bill unanimously last week, and now members of both parties agree they want the truth for the American people.
3: I believe that the IC should make as much public as they can, consistent with the overriding need to protect sources and methods. Transparency is a critical element of our democracy. The factual grounding of the ICs analysis can be an antidote to the speculation, the rumour and the theories that grow in the absence of good information.
8: Meantime, the former White House top COVID doctor clapping back after that House hearing where criticism rained down on him. Former CDC director Robert Redfield testified that Dr. Anthony Fauci froze him out of discussions of the lab leak theory as the pandemic's possible cause. Dr. Fauci telling Neil Cavuto that is not true. He also denied Congressman Jordan's accusations that he financially rewarded scientists for writing a paper discounting the lab leak theory. Dr. Fauci also claiming this.
3: I keep an open mind and I've always done that. And that circus that went on at the hearing about accusing me of trying to get people to be convinced one way or the other was really very unseemly and had nothing to do with reality.
8: So- Here's Fauci, though, over the last couple of years. I'll let you decide.
5: Is very, very strongly leaning towards this could not have been artificially or deliberately manipulated. I invite you to look and ask
3: any one of those virologists who were there. And when they finally looked at it carefully, they said, you know, upon re-looking at this carefully now, we think it's more likely that it was a natural evolution.
8: Tammy Bruce, Fox News contributor and host of Get Tammy Bruce on Fox Nation joins me now. Um, All right, first of all, Trump's CDC director, okay, yeah. said that Fauci deliberately ignored him to cover up the lab leak claims. So when you hear Fauci tell you the exact opposite,
9: <laughs> what goes through your mind? Well, th- this is a man who we've seen, and we, we saw it here, even in his response to what the, the hearings at the House, a kind of smug arrogance, right? Literally a nose in the air, always above everyone else, c- uh, You know, condemning everyone else's conversation. What we did not have during his time was any kind of a debate. Uh the, It was that they just really never knew they couldn't figure it out they didn't know oh it looks like it's you know more likely or believable or it's not believable this thing but we never had a serious conversation with details and facts now we are and he seems to be very upset about that if he is so sure He should also welcome any kind of an investigation that is going to show us if it really did come out of a wet market. But both the FBI and the Energy Department, of course, now are saying, yeah, no, we believe it came from the lab. Low confidence, medium confidence. But in their investigations, there was an actual result. And they're saying it comes from the lab. That's why... Uh, what the House is doing and what the Senate, I mean, a unanimous voice approval of this. Right. To wanting these COVID origins to be declassified. Finally now... Political parties are realizing with perhaps Lori Lightfoot's failure in Chicago, with the FBI and the Energy Department's assessment, uh, that the American people want the truth. We've always wanted the truth, and we're not going to be bullied anymore by Anthony Fauci's smug arrogance telling us to all shut up. Yeah, I mean, there are op eds that are basically saying, Why did scientists, you know,
8: uh, basically deceive everyone about COVID 19? And the fact that they knew what they know, and they've known this for three Correct. years, when all of us were wondering, and especially those who have lost loved ones, how did this happen? They knew how it happened,
9: and they deceived the American public. So why are we to believe them now? Well, but see, that's it. This is about legitimacy of government, how we trust the government, if we do or if we don't. There's something much larger going on. There seems, look, he's got another book coming out. They've got legacies they're worried about. Individuals are getting filthy rich, extraordinarily powerful, and they like that. And the way to maintain that requires, I think, this kind of misleading of the american public Uh, how you get to become a multi-millionaire in public service has always been a question for the american people as our lives have declined their lives continue to move up so we just want fairness we want transparency and clarity the world deserves that because you can't solve a problem by guessing at the cause you can't Mm -hmm. do that with cancer you can't do that with mental health you certainly can't do that with something like covid and with when it comes to what china's doing We're always most at risk when it comes to not knowing what's happening at the moment, and we can only uh, really know when we're being honest with ourselves and with the world. How do you explain the money that was given to the scientists
8: who, who, who worked on the research? That's what I don't understand. Like, there has to be a money trail or a
9: paper trail. Well, of course there is, and that's why there is such resistance to what the House is doing. It's always, it's always follow the money. Of course. That's why this is happening, and the good news is, you can follow that trail if you're willing to. The Republicans seem to be, you know, con- making a concerted effort. Yeah. They need to keep that going. Yeah. The
8: American public deserves to know. Me too.
9: Transparency. And that's it's our money. It's our money yeah. and our lives. Don't forget the nursing homes. Yeah. See, keep being kept out of a hospital, uh, uh, not being able to bury a loved one. Uh, the, the insanity they put us through yeah. uh, for uh, right. something that was just Unacceptable
8: across the board. Yep. All right, Tammy Bruce. Thank you so much. Great to see
9: you. Thank you.
1: So we circle and circle and we circle and keep coming back. Maybe it's like Jennifer Jennifer Jensaki. Circle back. We keep coming back to the same thing. We don't know. We don't know where it started. Why is it so important to know where it started? Duh. If it started in nature, let's find out where it started and go back and just get a big machine and go in there and burn everything up so it can't replicate and come back at us. Well, they don't want to do that, but they could do it. And so I asked this question a long time ago when Fauci first was telling us, you remember, coming from bats, there's this one kind of bat outside Wuhan, China. And somehow, the bat got this virus in it, and it morphed into COVID-19. And here we are, we have a worldwide disease. But it came from nature. It came from those bats. Really? Dr.
5: Allwater, you said in your testimony that Investigations into the origins of COVID-19 should be objective and driven by appropriate scientific and intelligence experts who present unbiased findings that are not politicized. According to evidence in previously released emails on February 8th, 2020, Dr. Anderson, who authored Proximal origin, stated, our main work over the last couple of weeks has been focused on trying to disprove any type of lab theory. Would you consider this statement objective and unbiased
4: i really don't have enough of a frame of reference to really make a comment on a single statement
5: all right let's switch then you you talked to uh you you cited uh, a couple papers last summer uh, in science that talked about the evidence of natural origin Uh, these papers claim to show dispositive evidence against lab leak now i went to medical school i'm an er doc i served lots of patients during this pandemic until just recently. And I know how viruses work. They're specific to species for the most part, correct?
4: Uh, they often are, but not always. There, there are some that are, uh, coronaviruses are probably one of the most widely dispersed amongst the animal kingdom.
5: Okay. And, and given, if we use the origins of a species that was in the wild that came to human contact and gave us the, the virus that in question, uh, wouldn't that virus still exist in that
4: species in the wild well i, I think that uh it would be likely the case right um, Ch- chances are that's a good answer thank right. you Right. Mm-hmm. so how
5: many species in the wild have we captured that still have this coronavirus in them because that would be a very easy thing to do given its wild uh, its wide dissemination in the human population and its proximity to chinese wildlife how many wild wild animals have been captured with this coronavirus present in them currently uh,
4: well uh, the, the answer is no but on the other hand thank you um, no that's would- okay i i appreciate it so basically i'm talking about from a scientific standpoint uh we
5: understand as a virologist and and, a, and as a student of virology that a good professor taught me just like the, yourself who, who just said that the evidence is that Diseases just don't go away in populations that are contained in the wild. And yet we've extensively tried to capture. The Chinese government would benefit greatly from showing us that this exists in the wild and came to human population. Yet not one evidence of a certain species, whether it be dog or bat, has ever been shown to have this virus that somehow or another transferred to human. Yet that is our main evidence and theory to disprove that Albeit the Wuhan uh, lab that actually stated what they were going to do and then had the same problem occur—that's a less likely—that's
4: a less likely chance in your mind. Is that correct? Well, I, I think the uh, hypotheses remain very open at the moment. So, so which
5: one do you think is more scientifically based, based on what we just discussed? Well, I, I, I'm not privy
4: to intelligence community information. So you don't have an opinion? Well, um, I think it is more likely, at the moment, just based on my reading, uh, of uh, a zoonotic, that is an animal-based... So so based on the fact that... We need to attend to both.
5: So you would tend to favor the the hypothesis, even though it has no proof whatsoever that it it actually exists in the animal genome or uh, that you're gonna favor that over the fact that a Wuhan lab that said they wanted to do this and then had an outbreak about the same time that that's less likely got it um first of all when you talk about having trust that's the most important thing you just stated in answer to mr. Ruiz's uh, statement the most important thing is trust how do we build trust when there's no transparency from the CCP when it comes to investigating the origins of this disease. How do we build trust
4: based on your statement? Well, uh, I think uh, amongst sci- scientific communities, uh, that is probably not as high a barrier. But uh, you know, for the politics, I'd have to leave to others. But you just stated
5: that's the most important thing. C- correct. But yet we don't have transparency on something that would be pretty easy to investigate if we had transparency, correct?
4: Uh, Again, I would leave to others foreign policy, but
5: but scientifically right we need to have transparency to investigate something. Uh, Absolutely. Okay, and
4: we don't right Uh, Well, I I think this has been brought up. Yeah,
5: okay So we agree on that that we have no transparency on the one thing that we need trust on to investigate the less likely cause of this disease So it's just totally coincidental. So with that I will state that he pretty much agrees with me when it comes to the origins, just doesn't want to admit it. Thank you very much. I yield.
1: That question, I asked it from the very beginning when they started talking about, well, it came from one of those bats, a cave, and they found it to do research with, and they took it in the lab, and lo and behold, it ended up with COVID, and it infected some of the scientists, and it leaked out of there. Well, that changed, and then it kept changing, then it kept changing. If it came from nature, common sense says, can't you go find another animal out there that's still alive that has this naturally coming into nature virus and find out what and where it came from, what animal? There hasn't been any, as far as I know, even investigation for that. Why wouldn't they do that? You know why. There's only one reason. It didn't come that way. If they thought or knew that it came from that way, these are scientists. What do they do? When they find something, they go find the reason for it. And they're not doing that in this case. How much money? Billions has been spent on research on COVID-19. None of it would have been spent if they had just started examining the reality and the possibilities out there first. I'm sure they did, but they didn't do anything about it. Why? Because they were told not to. University of North Carolina they're asking a judge to block the release of documents related to the research of doctor Ralph Barrick. Dr. Barrick is a pioneer in the world of dangerous gain of function virus research. Uh oh, here we go. Hide, hide, hide. UNC is being sued by US Right to Know, which is a nonprofit watchdog. They work to expose wrongdoing by corporations and governments in healthcare for documents related to Dr. Barrick's research while he was working at University of North Carolina. While some documents have been turned over during the course of the COVID pandemic, UNC filed a motion to dismiss late last week seeking to prevent the release of some documents being sought. They opted to sue after UNC refused to turn over certain documents that were sought through a public records request, citing a research exception under the Public Records Act. The organization has filed 13 public records requests on the work done by Dr. Barrick, Tony Barrick, and LaShawn Su. The university failed to turn over any documents after they had a February mediation session. The UNC as an institution of higher learning, yada, 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 should help the public to learn everything that can be learned about the pandemic and its origins and not try to obscure or bury such lessons. Once again, hiding. Oh, we can't do that. You know, this, this information belongs to a public university. University of North Carolina, it's not a private school. It's belonged to taxpayers. Taxpayers should have the right to everything that comes out in their research. Why would they not want Dr. Barrick's research to be public? They're trying to hide something. Trying to hide something. And oh, by the way, you may not even know this. The FBI and the Department of State both haven't provided documents by the deadline in response to a congressional request for information on the origins of the COVID-19 virus. We're just going around in circle after circle after circle. Department of State said they're still looking. FBI didn't even respond. Christopher Wray, FBI director, he's done. He's in the tank. He's not going to comply with anything. He is the epitome of a Marxist grifter. And if you joined us late, that's what we here at Truth News Network are calling going forward Democrats. The Democrat Party is no longer the Democrat Party. It's the Marxist grifter party. He doesn't give a rip. Congress? Who are they? I don't have to give them anything. That's the way he acts. He would say differently, but when he gets before these committees, that's exactly what he does. Ah, I don't have to give you that. Or we can't discuss details of ongoing investigations. Everybody knows that. You know why they can't do it? It's because old Mr. Marxist grifter from California, Adam Schiff, when he in the last congressional period, was going down into the bowels of the House of Representatives to go into a classified setting where they could only listen to or look at classified documents, couldn't even take them out of the skiff. He'd go out in the hallway and make phone calls every time, calling somebody and giving them inside information, classified information, I get I just get I just get fed up with this insanity. Have you kept up with that mess going on out at Stanford University? These students have just gone crazy. Absolutely crazy. They have a professor come forward to discuss free speech stuff, and they just go nuts demonstrating screaming and hollering. Stanford Law. By the way, that's a California university, public university. So one writer writing about it, a guy named David Marcus, his um, story about it is titled, Why Should You Care About Stanford Law's Hissing, Vengeful, Snot-Nosed Student Jackals, Sinister Shutdown of Free Speech on Campus? And then he answered the question, because One dystopian day, they will literally be judging you. America's Red Guard, that's what they're being called now. They have a chilling new catchphrase counter speech. Counter speech. When they came up with that, they did it using a dizzying manipulation of logic. It would have made George Orwell kick himself and ask, why didn't I think of that first? It used to be known as heckling, but it's counter-speech now. It's essentially yelling that drowns out anybody with who you disagree. And so our nation's snot-nosed cultural revolutionaries have put counter-speech to good work in this terrifying new age of intolerance. Spoiled brats at Stanford Law are leading the charge. They have fully embraced the society slaughtering insanity as they continue to bathe themselves in disgrace following their shameful treatment of a federal judge who dared to accept an invitation to campus last week. It was a classroom of hissing jackals. They goaded on by the school's dean of diversity, equity, and inclusion, refusing to allow Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals Judge Kyle Duncan to even speak at all. So who is this group? An aptly named Stanford Chapter of the American Constitution Society. And they claim that vicious and vulgar abuse hurled at Bunken was his own fault, writing that he was painted as a victim when in fact he himself had made civil dialogue impossible. So I looked into it. What was the sin that Duncan was being castigated for? What did he do to deserve all this? He refused to use trans pronouns when he's on the bench, the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals bench. That's it. That's all it takes these days. So the president of the university, Mark Tessier-Levine, and dean of the law school, Jenny Martinez, showed a sliver of sanity. They apologized to the jurist for student and staff behavior inconsistent with the school's commitment to free expression. But no sooner had the ink dried than hundreds of students, nearly one-third of the law school, engaged in an eerie and menacing protest against Dean Martinez herself, as any good cultural revolutionaries would, they turned on their teacher. Martinez's classroom was plastered with papers demanding apologies to them. For what? Well, for the quote-unquote harm of hearing offensive speech, of course... The signs, childishly taped across a room's whiteboard and desk and computer, unironically appealed for their own free speech rights, even when they would deny those rights to anybody and everybody else. It was Stanford Law's Federalist Society who extended the invitation to Judge Duncan. They obviously wanted to hear what he had to say. Why is it okay to deny them the chance to learn from a man with decades of judicial experience? After all, it's the Stanford Law School. This is a question not likely crossed the minds of these extremists. They're so certain in the righteousness of their own cause, never mind that they don't yet have law degrees, what can they learn from a Senate-confirmed federal judge? He should be learning from them, right? Then it was to must only have looked like a medieval prisoner's walk to the gallows. These illiberal nabobs clad in black, donning face masks that read, counter speech is free speech. They lined the hallway outside of the dean's classroom, stared her down in silence as she walked to the elevator. Students who refused to participate in this gauntlet of intimidation were themselves subjected to the same treatment from these overprivileged babies crying and moaning about other people being allowed to have opinions. You know, when you think about it, on the one hand, you gotta feel there's some humor in it. Imagine paying about 67000 bucks a year to go to Stanford Law and emerge with no understanding of the concept of free speech or, for that matter, common sense. And you want to be a lawyer? You want to be a judge? Even the school's complicit DEI dean, Tyrene Steinbach, appears completely clueless herself. It goes without saying that she should be fired, Her entire ridiculous department abolished. But she's an atrocious educator to boot. So after she lectured Judge Duncan about the supposed harm he caused, she spewed forth what must go down as one of the most depressing utterances in the history of pedagogy. Is the juice worth the squeeze? That was her question to the judge. Is the juice worth the squeeze? She was reading off prepared remarks. Ostensibly, she meant to say, are provocative ideas worth the trouble of upsetting woke, infantilized students? Yes, Dean, they are. In fact, humanity, all of humanity depends on it. We gotta get some common sense into the heads of all of these Heads of mush. The most terrifying part of this whole incident is that these childish, caterwauling law students will soon become attorneys and even judges themselves. How are they going to do their jobs in the real world? How are they going to defend the wrongly accused or vigorously prosecute the guilty? Sticking one's finger in one's ears and shrieking profanities may not convince many people on a jury. But even worse, will they corrupt the American legal system? Looking ahead, having these kind of people in positions of power promises a darkly dystopian future. Picture a country in which vengeful, weak weirdos they mete out injustice to anyone who denies their current thing, the idea of the day, be it pronouns or any other fashionable form of fascism. In a couple of decades, we may find ourselves staring at some Mao-educated official in a furry costume condemning us to the re-education camps for the thought crimes du jour. And this is not a far-fetched idea. Even today, Minnesota Democrat lawmakers are talking about establishing an official thought crime database that will compile the identities of those who commit entirely lawful yet undesirable acts. I'm sure it's something these protesting students would no doubt think is wonderful, Sadly, the oppressive mind virus reaches beyond Stanford law. The state of higher education in the U.S. is a floundering mess. Students don't learn how to think, but they learn what to think. Is it any wonder that young minds shielded from opposing opinions are going to become stunted? Is it any wonder that our future leaders will instead howl when the one thing they've been taught progressive shibboleths are challenged. Notwithstanding the ignorant notions of these law students and the Bolshevik bullies in the administration leading them astray, there's no such thing as counter-speech. There's only this, free speech. This insidious concept is the destruction and the desecration of speech, It's the howling of the wild animal, not the reasoned discourse of humans. Thankfully, oh my gosh, thankfully, we have some leaders like Florida Governor Ron DeSantis who have begun the much needed work of dismantling DEI departments and restoring colleges to their classical roles like teaching instead of Implanting ideals. It can't come soon enough. In a very real way, it's already coming too late. Already. One generation of Americans have been brought up to believe that it's not the precepts of our Constitution that are the foundation of law, but rather their sad little feelings Oh my gosh. I don't know what to do. That professor said something that it it we can't we can't demand the specific pronouns we want to use during lectures. They can trample on our thoughts on our feelings and it's okay. Oh my gosh. We can't do this. We've got to push back against these Cretans. They don't know what they're doing. We're the next generation, and they're treating us like we're nothing but a bunch of little crying babies.
0: He'll never let you fall to the lies. Your bulwark against the tide of fake news. Dan Newman, TNN, The Truth News Network. What is Coca-Cola? Is it an
4: excuse to get together? Since 1886, Coca-Cola has been passing on smiles from generation to generation. We've been giving kids scholarships, like the early birds and the all-nighters. And you get to enjoy what matters most.
0: Coca-Cola. Drink up. Nowadays, it's more important than ever to know the value of a dollar, or three, or four, or five, or even six. New Dunkin' Go-To's, now with brews. Tasty breakfast combos that give you more bang for your bucks. Get a wake-up wrap with sausage and a medium-hot coffee for $3. A bagel with cream cheese spread and a medium-hot coffee for $4. A bacon, egg, and cheese croissant with a medium-hot coffee for $5. Or a power breakfast sandwich and, you guessed it, a medium-hot coffee for $6. Dunkin' Go-To's, now with brews. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Exclusions apply. Limited time offer. My pappy said, son, you're going to drive me to drinking if you don't stop driving that hot rod Lincoln.
1: If you've never heard this Have song heard before, raise your hand. I see gun. those hands. <laughs> That's one from the back, 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 back pass to the 60s. Hot rod Lincoln. Well, there's another bailout going on in Congress, and this one's not... By Democrats, it's by Republicans. They have bailed out Biden ambassador to India nominee, the former mayor of Los Angeles, Eric Garcetti, in a critical Senate confirmation vote. They confirmed Garcetti as President Biden's U.S. Ambassador to India after seven Republicans voted with most Democrats yesterday to pass the vote. Final vote? 52 to 42, six absences. Garcetti's fate in the narrowly divided Senate has been uncertain heading into yesterday's uh, hearings as Senator John Fetterman of Pennsylvania, Diane Feinstein of California, and Mitch McConnell of Kentucky were expected to miss the vote for health reasons. Other swing voters from both parties had appeared to be on the fence. So here are the Republicans had voted for Garcetti. Bill Haggerty of Tennessee, Todd Young of Indiana, Roger Marshalls, Kansas, Susan Collins of Maine, Steve Daines of Montana, Bill Cassidy from Louisiana, and Lindsey Graham of South Carolina. And there were some Democrats that voted against him. Senator Mark Kelly from Arizona, Sherrod Brown of Ohio, and Mazie Hirono of Hawaii. So what's the big deal? Well, he served as Los Angeles mayor for nine years. He was first nominated by Biden to serve as ambassador to India way back in July of 21. But the vote was tabled amid sexual harassment claims made against top Garcetti aide Rick Jacobs. Chuck Grassley, senator of Iowa, issued a report last year. That found it was more likely than not that Mayor Garcetti either had personal knowledge of the sexual harassment or should have been aware of it. Jacobs has denied any wrongdoing. Garcetti has denied any knowledge of any wrongdoing. And the White House has stood by the former mayor. So, what did Joe Biden do? He renominated Garcetti on January 3rd. That was the first day. Of the 118th Congress. White House Press Secretary Karine Jean Pierre said at the time Garcetti was well qualified for that role and that the White House was hopeful the Senate would confirm him promptly. So, before his confirmation yesterday, the role of U.S. Ambassador to India had been open for more than two years. Republicans voting in favor of Garcetti largely indicated they were willing to overlook his perceived downside to fill a role critical to the US in our response to threats from China haggerty who typ- typically votes right down the line with republicans but voted fargar city previously served as US ambassador to japan a country that has been an equally important partner as india to the US all three countries along with australia are members of the Quad Alliance in terms of addressing competition from China. This is a national security imperative. That's what we're told by the Republicans who cross the aisle to support him. We have to balance concerns people might have about the nominee against the real risk of waiting another year until we have an ambassador on the ground. In other words, what are they saying, folks? substance, we'll put it on the back burner Anytime we think we need to do that for what we, the leaders of the Marxist grifter party, think is something we gotta do. And guess what? That's a wrap on the day. I thank you for being here again. Our conversation to start the show today with Dunstan Teo. it will be in the Our podcast of this show, we are going to post it right after the show at truthnewsnet.org. And you can find up at the top the title of the story, TNN Live, dated Thursday, March 16th, 2023. Oh, by the way, TNN Live is on the road tomorrow. We're going to Texas. We'll be live with you from Fort Worth. Until then. Have a great Thursday. We'll see you tomorrow morning.
0: It's the time of the season When love runs high In this time, give it to me easy And let me try with pleasured hands To take you in the sound to promise He'll never let you fall to the lies. Your bulwark against the tide of fake news. Dan Newman, TNN, The Truth News Network. What's your name? What's your name? Who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? be rich. Is he rich like me? Has he taken, he taken any, time any, time any time to show, to show you? What you need to live Tell it to me slowly Tell you- your daddy, your daddy, is he rich like me? Has he taken, take any time, time, any time, time to show, to show you what you